Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. So happy to have you joining me today for a fun episode. Talk a little bit of sales, sales graduates. In the Ring gets its support from Toba, the thoroughbred owner and breeders association. Toba's mission is to improve the economics, integrity, and pleasure of the sport on behalf of thoroughbred owners and breeders. Projects managed by Toba include the American Graded Stakes Committee, the Claiming Crown, ownership seminars, breeding confirmation and pedigree clinics, and the Sales Integrity Program. Toba provides international representation for U.S. owners and breeders on the International Grading and Race Planning Advisory Committee, International Cataloging Standards Committee, and International Thoroughbred Breeders Federation. The Thoroughbred Charities of America is the charitable arm of Toba, and Toba Media Properties, a subsidiary of Toba, is the co-owner of Blood Horse, LLC. Toba is represented on the board of directors of the National Thoroughbred Racing Association as a founding member and represents on the board of directors of the Racing Medication and Testing Consortium as a founding member. We also get our support from Gainsway. We're thrilled to once again be partnered with Gainsway Farm for 2023. Gainsway stands an up-and-coming stallion, McKinsey. McKinsey produced 16 six-figure first crop weanlings, the most of any first crop sire, yielding a $135,000 weanling average. At Keeneland January, McKinsey produced the two highest-priced first crop yearlings, a $250,000 and $220,000, well above the $140,000. $5,000 Keeneland January sales average. Additionally, at Basic Tipped in February, McKinsey had the highest price first crop yearling at $200,000. do not miss out on your opportunity. For more information, visit gainsway.com. A big thank you to all of our sponsors. As mentioned, I'm going to talk a little bit about some sales graduates. Uh, recent sales, Saratoga select yearling sale in the books with Fasic Tipton, the New York bread sale um, while I'm recording this is still going on. And then of course, we're gonna go right into a bunch of um, exciting action as far as Europe is concerned with a lot of people going over for Arcana, which is kind of cool. I think there's a flight going from Saratoga directly to Deauville that they've been doing in the last couple of years. And so we see a lot of American entities um, wanting to go over and take part in uh, some of the big, international sales as well and then of course we got dive on and continue on after the summer racing is over into that keeneland september sale so as of now we're going to be talking about some fun stuff that's going on in saratoga in particular thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of in the ring and we'll get right to it I'm so happy to welcome in Brandon Rice from Rice Horse Stable. I'm so active in consigning and prepping horses. And um, Brandon, really happy to have you on. I know this uh, two-year-old winner we're going to talk about for this past week was very special to me, but very yeah. special for you guys as well. Um, Baltioro Philly, now named Miss Dior Cherie. Uh, congratulations to the team. And um, it has to be really fun seeing one of your graduates win first out at Saratoga. Oh, it is. It doesn't matter uh, if, if I, I made money uh, or broke even um, or uh, if it took a year or two. But she, she was able to win within a few short, quick months at the most exciting race meet uh, in, in uh, you know, the America, in my opinion. You know, obviously Del Mar is wonderful, but Saratoga winning there in the spa um, for uh, the Clements, which I have the most respect for. Uh, it was nice enough to uh, have a little stint with Christoph and have a lot of respect for how he feels legs and knows his horses so well. And obviously you, you're uh, part of that family now as well. And so I felt a lot of pressure selling it to uh, a mentor and friends. 
And I thought, well, listen, Phil, you show me all the goods. Um, and uh, you, you, you presented yourself beautifully. Couldn't have asked her to do a better job. And uh, she carried all that hope and promise to your uh, Clement barn and, uh, and away she went. And, and so uh, you, these nice horses, uh, they take you places, you know, they mm-hmm. can take you on a heck of a journey. And I've never had been blessed with a horse that takes you to the, the Derby, the Oaks or, or beyond. But uh, I, I, they're dream makers. And so every spring we're selling dreams and uh, she's one of them. I love that. I love that. Such a good way to put it. And I mean, this is kind of what you dream about too. You know, you, you want to be able to sell a two-year-old. People love the idea of being able to win first out at a meet like Saratoga. It's a tough thing to do, but it's a thrilling thing to accomplish. And it kind of keeps that dream alive, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I, I, with the, the t- our time in the spa, which is uh, my down season as a juvenile developer and, and trainer, uh, we, we get to come up vacation watch uh the hustle bustle of the barns in the morning and then attend this uh boutique uh two sales the saratoga select sale in the new york red try to prospect for gold you know finding the next great ones uh and uh and then i get to put the trainer hat back on this winter and with hopefully a bunch of exciting good looking you know equivalent to the bolt dior philly uh miss uh dior shuri uh she great name by the way it sounds like <laughs> thank you pretty special and uh it has a regalness about it and i can imagine it being announced and so we um uh you know we're just proud of our graduates we follow them like kindergarten teachers follow their <laughs> students they're proud when they become something special and uh and so you know and, and relationships are are built on doing good workmanship and a, and, and a good horsemanship job um from start to finish the people that raised it and sold it to me and then and then myself to the clients and the clients uh they you know it wasn't an accident getting into the winter circle. It takes a lot of, right. you know, perfection and attention to detail. And the Philly has to be thriving and eating well. And the details have to be looked after. And, and a lot of people don't get to appreciate or see that. And it kind of separates great horsemen from, from those that are struggling to try to, to get to the winter circle. And you guys do a terrific job in prepping young horses as well. And, and like you said, you know, the filly, I think Regal's a good way to describe her. She really kind of has that air about her. Um, she sold us hip three in the sale, too, after working 20 and three, really quick work. And the, the way that she covers the ground, um, she worked a quarter instead of an eighth. Can you tell me a little bit about how you decide uh, what to work those young horses at the two-year-old sales and how to best show them off? You know, uh, she didn't ask for uh, the pressures that we put her through. Mind you, she was built uh, from the inside out to be be able to withstand them beautifully. And and we have to, as horsemen, when is she going to peak? When is she going to become enough woman on the end of a shank and, and under the rider to be able to to look grand, look promising, not be stressed out looking, have that kind of popping muscle and coat and and present herself. And she, she came through with no chips, no sore joints, never had to nurture anything. The, the will to run was very evident early and we almost had to kind of just tell her to take it easy and, and don't get in front of yourself and, and hurt yourself by accident. And so we're managing a very willing love to run type of filly. And, and she, uh, um, she breezed a quarter because we're so early in the sale to try to uh, get people to kind of get their pocketbooks out early and, and not, patiently wait for the next 1200 horses to sell we had to kind of make a splash and try to impress people and so most people are going eights you know and just kind of risking a little less going a little less distance proving less stamina i said well listen she's patio prado uh pure stamina kind of line with stature and, and she was a black type mare 
that had class and then you put the bolt dro uh speed mm-hmm. over top of it it's kind of like combining together uh bloodlines and, and seeing what you get and i thought the bolt dro really sped up the patio prado line so she has the speed over stamina and uh so we were able to showcase both a wicked fast quarter mile galped out i mean tremendous and those that think that's easy i mean i can train some horses that uh, will try their butts off but they just were not born to be able to mm-hmm. cover ground uh the, the way that she does and and so when we have greatness in our barn and you're blessed with it uh don't bugger it up don't uh <laughs> don't let them overtrain themselves don't uh try to be such a heroic trainer that you uh you you store your horses up and make them not like the game and you just kind of have to work with them and it's probably like developing a small ball club and, and some kids need encouragement and other right. kids need manners. And, and you really <laughs> have to, uh, to, you know, put your trainer hat on and figuring it out. Uh, not much different than what the commands have to do on a daily basis of figuring out what makes their horses thrive. And that's, that's part of the puzzle and the fun of this game. And, and you and your wife, Allie, um, do such a terrific job. You're, you're both horse people through and through. Can you talk a little bit about how it's a family operation and um, just some of the daily process that you guys go through in getting these young horses ready? Yes, ma'am. I, I was, uh, you know, I married upward into a very successful <laughs> Demeric family uh, that uh, sell horses annually, one of the biggest uh, juvenile developing, uh, you know, operations uh, in, in Ocala and and so I, you know, I was blessed to land uh, uh, probably uh, a woman that's above my league, much like the caliber fields, you know. And so then we have to uh, combine together a horsemanship and uh, the Demerics have uh, a style and a passion about how they do business and train horses. And, and I could go on for hours about all of our techniques. And, and then the, the rice is my family have been at it for many generations, thanks to uh, Grandpa Clyde Rice, who's passed, and and he found an amazing way to make a living and play with something you love, and uh, taking young horses and molding their minds and their bodies and prospecting for gold. It's you know it's not a safe way to make a living or a uh, easy way, but it is a passionate, uh, exciting way to make a living. And we're we're blessed to be in this game. We need to keep this game healthy and and uh, allow people to know how important and front and center the horse's well being and health is. Uh, all the way from raising them uh, Mm -hmm. to developing them and to presenting them at sale to eager owners that want to find the winner circle. And, and there's a lot of great people and horsemanship in this game. And I hope that the greater world gets to appreciate it. I I completely agree with you. And I think that's such a good point too. And, and, you know, all of us that are working in the horse industry and whatever position we're in, I feel like it's kind of that universal sentiment that horses have given us so much as opposed to the other way around. And I feel oh. like that's what drives a lot of us so much every day. It, it is. I mean, we, uh, we all, I'm sure could make a living, uh, in other capacities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the, the horse game, uh, I think is better for having us defend it and allow us to, uh, to show the, the, the beautiful inner workings of, of, uh, you know, what it takes to have a foal that's uh, sick and not doing well and the around the clock care mm-hmm. that the veterinarians and the people, you know, helping these, these young lives come into the world and then, and then development of them and, you know, harnessing their free, wild, uh, beautiful thoroughbred 
bred spirit and in, in herds of horses out in the fields and allow them to kind of grow up naturally on, on big, large acreage, you know, hundreds of acres that we, we have to grow them up properly. And, uh, and then when they become competitors, uh, uh, it's so natural, the innate will to compete and run. I mean, horses are doing fields. And if I could have people feed horses in the evening at dusk and yeah. have them uh, see uh, the spunk and life within the young, you know, spirited horses, uh, they, they would better understand the animal and, and kind of how they tick. They, they aren't a lazy porch dog. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're wild and wonderful. And then we harness that beautiful wild wilderness in a, in a cooperative relationship. You can't tell horses what to do. Mm -hmm. You ask them. And, uh, and we asked this filly, uh, to learn this game and to use that competitive spirit and try her hardest and, and then reward her with as much love and food and affection and therapies and massages. And, uh, you know, we, we have, we have, uh, we have more therapeutic, uh, uh, you know, magnetic therapies and, uh, massaging the, than, than I've ever received as an athlete. And, uh, <laughs> and so I am be the level of care, but we, we're, we, they, they help us make a living. They help us, uh, um, uh, provide for our children. And, and, uh, um, so the horses are keeping us alive. We're yeah. keeping the horse alive. It's a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, it's, we need each other and, uh, and, you know, the, maybe the saddest day sometimes is when I'm completely don't, I don't have hope out in the field for what the next, um, you know, great horse that could come mm -hmm. through our hands and, and possibly help us, uh, you know, pay for children's education, uh, out in the fields. I, I feel like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't have one in hand. I, the dream is not in my paddock. And so then we come out to these sales and we, you know, vigorously shop through and try to find uh, a diamond in the rough, uh, hopefully. And we aren't, uh, of the, the greatest means, but we do have a sharp eye for what it takes to be great. And with the and, and we all, uh, you know, put our best into horses, whether they're end up, uh, being mid-level uh, claiming horses that try their butts off and, and you love them just as much and, right. and they try just hard uh, or, or horses that bring you to the, the pinnacle of the sport. And, and so no matter what level of talent they are, uh, we have to get 100% of ourselves to, to be poured into them to let mm -hmm. them become you know, what they're going to become. And so it's, you know, it's not as if just the the Michael Jordan's getting all the attention. Yeah. It's, it's even the other, you know, less, less, lesser, uh, athletic caliber horses that they, they need to be given, uh, the same care, the same speaking, the same expenses. Uh, and if I can help them go and be 95, hundred percent, their best version of themselves, uh, that's just as satisfying. I love that. So well said. And and that's such an important piece of it too. And you mentioned um, looking, you know, at yearlings or, or weanlings or the, or the process to find, a, a, like you said, a horse that could develop into something special. And we often see, um, you know, you guys with Rice Horse selling at these two-year-old sales, but they don't just kind of come to you right before the two-year-old sales. There's a lot of work and searching that goes into it before you bring a horse to OBS or to Timonium. Yep. Yep. And I mean, my, my operation does receive some uh, outside sure. clients that want to present just under our banner. And they, they, they know it's a trusted banner where, where, you know, we tell the truth and, and look after horses well and are a good agent. But most of the horses come through our six to eight month process of, of uh, the basic education of riding for saddles and trail rides through the woods. Uh, extensive, long, horse loving 
uh, uh, education that <laughs> lays the foundation of trust uh, and confidence and teaching bravery in the horses to cross puddles and and uh, jump ditches and and <laughs> and and uh, run within a pack of horses, you know, through the middle and taking the lead and not being a follower but being a leader. And uh, and every horse has just like a probably a ball player a weakness, and we have to work on their weaknesses their strengths or their strengths, you know, manage them well. And, uh, and this Philly, uh, uh, this Bolt Dior Philly that's, that won so nicely, uh, she, uh, you know, she could be anything. And when we brought her to market, um, I had such confidence in her. I think I called every mentor I knew <laughs> and said, please come take a look. If you could muster the money up for this one, mm-hmm. she's special. She'll take you a lot of places and, and provides the dream, uh, per se. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, the, the Gladwell's, uh, combined with uh, Miguel uh, Comont and and uh, Joe Miglior and uh, many other agents, uh, you know, that, uh, and they they were able to attain this for the Reeves Racing and uh, and they've done so well in New York. I thought, man, a lot. I mean, the Reeves Racing they've been winning awards and they've had the best horses and they're striving to be a leading operation up there. And I couldn't have thought of her to land in a better place. And uh, and uh, and if she needed patience because maybe she got gangly, kind of hit a growth spurt, but come on to be wise enough to, to have patience with her. And, and, and of course, uh, uh, you know, I, I can oftentimes have greatness in my hands and we, we, we all have, and then you're like scratching your head. Why, why did that horse not reach, right. uh, the pinnacle, uh, as I suspected. And there's a hundred variables, you know, everything from stepping on a nail to, um, you know, a horse maybe being over eager and out outworking itself, you know, becoming too sore to, for competition, uh, through a little bit of, uh, being its own worst enemy. And, and so from the riders, we, we hire the grooms that love on them and care for them. Uh, it's a human horse, very humbling game. Uh, and, uh, uh, we're just glad to be part of it. We're glad to shine, uh, a positive light on this industry and the development of these young spirited animals and doing, uh, every, you know, giving them everything we have and hopefully having the world see that, Hey, this is a wonderful game. And, and a win photo has all walks of life and it has, uh, the, the grooms that, uh, are maybe lucky to have just landed their citizenship and are, are humbly, uh, and diligently working from 4am to, to 9pm at times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we have, uh, you know, some of the most influential people in business, you know, from all around the world, uh, that are passionately pursuing the, you know, the, the difficult to attain crowns of the sport, you know, the trip crowns and, and uh, the breeders cup races that it, it doesn't matter how deep your pocketbooks are. You have to dance the dance and understand how to find the talent and cultivate it and get to the winner's circle. And if it was easy, maybe the wealthiest guys would mm-hmm. be winning all the races, but it's it really, it's a very complex uh, sport with lots of variables. And I think it makes it, that much more interesting. I, I completely agree. And, and I love what you said about all the people that one single horse can impact. And you'll be happy to know um, at our barn when uh, Miss Yoshri came up from Belmont to Saratoga. And she started out here, um, but then she came back uh, ready to run. And a lot of the hot walkers were arguing over who got to walk her because she's so sweet. Okay. And and who wants yeah. to, to be around her? And her groom is very protective of her. And uh, I, I just think that's so cool and so special to see all the people at the barn. You know, the pride that they have in these horses and 
you know, it's, it's maybe one horse, one trainer, one owner, one jockey, but there's so many other people along the way that have had a hand in it and feel impacted by it. I, I have zero interest in her ownership anymore, but she will always be one of my rice horse graduates with a nice rice horse education. I'm not a Harvard or Princeton or a Yale, but I am a rice horse uh, education that, uh, that I feel just as passionately about our level of quality and, uh, and people expect our hands, my wife and our hands to be on this horses and taking care of the details and, and making sure that, uh, uh, you know, we've given them our utmost. And, uh, and that's, that's how a small humble business stays alive in a very competitive game that, uh, that has turbulent, turbulent economies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes we have bad PR within the game and, and I want to remind people of, you know, how, passionate and tear-filled Bob Baffert was with American Pharaoh and what a gentle spirit he was in the barn, you know, nuzzling on him and uh, such just a class act. And then, and then he was able to be a fierce competitor. And, uh, you know, our Boltioro, uh, she, she has the same deal. She's so intense and born to run as if her mother whispered something in her ear when she was kind of born. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, in the barn, uh, you, you know, you can tell that she just, she wants love. She wants scratches. Yes. She's not a leave me alone kind of filly. She's, she's looking for the nurturing hands. And uh, so it, it's, it's wonderful that such an intense, uh, amazing creature uh, it needs us, needs those loving tender hands. And, and, you know, a good groom, maybe the most unnoticed people in our, in our horse racing game. I mean, uh, if those horses aren't happy and they're sleeping well and you don't figure out their quirks or what they like and don't, it's it's kind of like a relationship that's built in. And if a bad relationship, they, they, they aren't going to perform well. Yeah, it's so true. And um, I, I can promise she got uh, lots of loves and treats from me after her win, uh, too, and will continue to do so. Um, but she's special. She's a lot of fun. And Brandon, I hope that you have your Kentucky Derby winner coming up soon from your consignment. Best of luck yeah. uh, with trying to uh, find some some gems at the sales coming up and really, really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I thank you very much. We, we do have investments, investors and investments uh, packages that we're putting together that people that want to find this game, awesome. be involved, um, reach out to Rice Horse Stable, Brandon Alley Rice, and, and uh, we have a Future Stars investments package that, that this is one of their four investments, and we're all collectively going to be cheering for her uh, uh, you know, over the next couple of years of racing, and as we prospect together to find profitable, fun, uh, you know, it is a high-risk, high-reward game of, of being an investor, but uh, I can't think of a more interesting uh, way to play the game of touching multitudes of horses, trying to turn a profit through good horsemanship and good talent identification. Amen to that. I love it. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show Bloodstock agent Alex Elliott, who has had uh, quite the couple of years since we last spoke, including having purchased from our Alaska winner. Um, Alex, thanks so much for joining. I'm really, really excited to have the chance to talk to you today. Yeah, it's good to good to speak, Acacia. We caught up briefly last week in, in Saratoga, but I'm back in uh, England now and getting ready for the European sales to start. They start, uh, go to France on Wednesday for Arcana, and that's Friday. They sell Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we're into Doncaster and Germany and, and then back to Keeneland, which I'm looking forward to getting back to the States. 
Yeah, it really is that season. And as you mentioned, you were here for the Phasing Tipton Saratoga Select sale and found a couple of really nice yearlings, including um, the Quality Road uh, from Gainesway. Uh, obviously, we've had success buying for, uh, for off of Gainesway uh, for $1.1 million um, that we chatted about. Tell us a little bit about that cult as he really just seemed to ooze class. Yeah, he really did. Um, as I said, as I said to you in Saratoga, when they cost that, they need to lose class. But mm -hmm. uh, I got to the sale. Uh, it took me. It took me a long time to get there, actually. Um, and Ben McElroy, who I worked closely with um, at numerous sales, really, just how it falls. He'd done a lot of the legwork, and when we went round uh, his shortlist, uh, he was the cult that we we all focused in on, and. Um, Kia was there with his son Max and his trainer that's done really well at the minute, George Delgado. And I think it was a fairly unanimous decision that he was the one we were going to go after. Um, it is the most money. Uh, it's the most money that uh, Ammo have given for a horse at auction. Right. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was exciting. It was a good start to the sale season. But he was um, he was a he was a pretty phenomenal physical, great action, great strength. Uh, two turns on the dirt is going to be his gig, so I wouldn't expect to see him until later into his two-year-old career. And um, hopefully we can get him on the derby trail. You, you mentioned Kia from Ammo Racing, who we've seen have a lot of success all over the world here in Saratoga at Ascot. Can you talk a little bit about um, the relationship with, with him and the team and um, just how we've seen his silks present a lot more in a lot of these big races? Yeah, so I met Kia maybe five or six years ago. And he only had one horse in training at that mm -hmm. time, and he's grown it exponentially. Really, it's uh, it's it's really got quite something in the last few years. Um, he's got a great team of people around him, uh, led by Robson Aguiar in Ireland, uh, where he's got his own pre-training centre. Mm -hmm. And um, Robson would be Kia's right-hand man really these days, but. Uh, it's uh it's it's phenomenal that the 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 success that they've been having more, 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 I, think, I think the last three years really they've really yeah. Kia really focuses on Royal Ascot. Uh two year olds are a big thing. The last couple of years you've actually seen some of these horses. I think he's bought um uh a more late developing quality type of horse. And I think you've seen that come to the fore um with King of Steel and then over in your part of the world with New York Thunder. New York Thunder, who was so impressive uh, for George Delgado, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, it, you always wonder as kind of newer people get involved in the game. And, um, of course, it's a, a sport with a lot of history. But when you see someone that seems to really be hitting on all cylinders, finding the right kind of horses and going to the right races, uh, it's fun to follow. And you always pay attention a little bit more closely when you see a horse of theirs coming in, whether it's here in the States or, or in Europe or wherever it might be. No, for sure. Listen, Kiersa, Kiersa is a very, very interesting man. He's uh, he's huge in the in the soccer world as um, mm -hmm. an agent or advisor or whatever you'd like to call that. And as I said, five or six years ago, he had only really dipped his toe in. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand the depth to our sport. Right. I think they just think it's all about maybe buying a horse, going to the races, and maybe losing your money. They don't. <laughs> You know, I, th I think it's, well, quite likely losing your money if you don't play it properly. But <laughs> he, he, as you can imagine, being as, as smart as he is, he he grabbed it pretty quickly. And he, he got a lot of the people around him, as I said, led, led by Robson. And um, he, 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 he is a, he, he, he's, 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 
a very, very fast learner. And he picked up in five or six years what it would take most people a lifetime to learn. He plays it properly. He, he buys the right horses and uh, he puts them with the right trainers. And um, as you can see, as you said, he's having great success. Well, it, like I said, it's a lot of fun to follow too. And you also picked up um, an Omaha Beach filly at the Saratoga sale that I wanted to ask you about because it's a new stallion I'm really excited about. I think he's he's going to be really big and has had some good winners so far. And a filly that for that sale was actually purchased, I think, very well. Can you tell us about her? Yeah, we had three fillies on, on our... So we spent the big money on day one. Mm -hmm. and we didn't really think there was a horse to live up to the horse that we bought. So we... Occult-wise. So we focused on fillies. We had three fillies on our list on day, on, uh, on day two. First of all, it was an Accelerate filly that came in and we actually underbid her at 200. Uh, was one that we thought we should have bought. And then um, the Omaha Beach filly came in. Omaha Beach was a horse that I absolutely adored when he was racing for Richard Mandela. He just had, he was just, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was just so good to watch. Those horses that travel like he does and, and then finish up. And obviously being by Warfront, he's got, um, he's got turf capability, I'd say as well. Um, so, you know, he, she, she's a filly that I could actually see coming back to Europe, I think. Sure. She could be an Ascot filly. I should have a tap it there. She was just gorgeous. And um even even though she had sort of two blank dams to give two seventy five for her, I'll tell you just how good looking she was, you know. Right. And uh, and we were delighted to get her. And then we actually, I think we just about underbid um, a fill at the end there by practical joke mm -hmm. uh, that Bridie Harrison had. Uh, she made seven hundred, I think. Uh, we lost out on her, but um, no, that was uh, that that was a filly that we we loved, and we were happy to come away from. A, a strong sale with two horses that were top of our list sort of thing it was a sale that was very competitive too and um and you've had success buying in the states as alluded to at the top with uh with keeneland finding king of steel there and a horse that i know has been such a fun journey for all of you running second in the epsom derby and then winning the king king edward at royal ascot can you talk a little bit um going back to the start about finding that horse at keeneland because he's a huge horse he's so imposing and impressive was was that always um what caught your eye with him he, he is a really interesting horse and he, he's a horse i'm i'm very proud of I suppose when you go, when you're over, when you're going over to Keeneland or, or America in general on the plane, you're you're flicking through the catalogue. Being uh, based in, you, I do buy a lot of horses to stay in the states, but you're also looking for horses to bring home. And obviously, there's a Wooden Bassett in the catalogue. You're going to be looking at him. Um, he he, Keeneland's so big, you have to split it up with people. And he was a he was a he was on a he. I didn't actually see the horse originally. He was knocked off for being too big which 99% of people would say but mm. I was down at the back ring and, and, and uh, one of my best pals is a is a master Irish pinhooker called Mick Fitzpatrick of Kilman Foil House Stud and he said to me there's a horse you need to go see at Gainsway so we trundled off up to Gainsway top of the hill there um, in book two and they pulled this horse out and it was it's a bit like when you if 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 you can imagine someone in a film looking up at a giant, up <laughs> at his feet and ended up looking up to the mountain somewhere, but and I went, Poof, I'm not sure about this, and then I studied him for a bit and he was so light on his feet that it was just like this horse has got a chance if he's when they're when they're so big they 
they don't stay sound or their wind goes or, you know, it's just a lot harder for them and it's a lot harder for them to shift that mass. But he was so athletic and he turned well and he was, you know, he was either, I, 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 I then rang, I rang a client first actually and, and they said, oh, I'm not sure. They just started off in the business and they were sort of focusing on Europe and, so then I ran Kia and I'd I'd fl- um I'd 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 flown over with Kia and we'd already bought a Nyquist horse on on day one I bought one he was he was he was quite good but I ran Kia I said Kia you got to come see this horse and considering that Kia is kind of very much focused into the two year old Royal Ascot that's where his head is a lot of the time to show him this horse you can imagine what a lot of his team said and I think. Kia, I think Kia's been quoted as saying the team said he looked like a police horse. <laughs> but, you know, one thing he did have, he was by Wooten Bassett, who is just, uh, I, I think, I don't think people understand what they're going to see in the next few years mm-hmm. now that these Galileo mares of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. It's just, to make it from being a five grand stallion to where he is now is just phenomenal. Um, he was actually bred by my, 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 my parents-in-law here at Laundry Cottage Stud in England so that was a nice part of the story but he um you know we we went down to the ring and I think the reserve was about 200,000 he was bred by a Brazilian firm with a farm in Kentucky Bonchance farm and I think the reserve was 200 and we we ended we we bid the reserve and that was that and uh the rest as they say is history I remember we were at Royal Ascot this year and I saw him as he was walking over um, before the King Edward. And I said, I can't believe that's the horse that ran so well in the Epsom Derby last time. And and he just, it, it blew my mind looking at how big he was. And then you, I think you phrased it perfectly. Watching the way he covers the ground is really impressive. And um, it was fun to see uh, Roger Varian with him as well. What's that feeling like when everything comes together and you have a horse that wins during the Royal Ascot meeting? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's it's kind of a relief when they're short price favorite at Ascot mm-hmm. and they're always kind of the shortest price favorite of the week, just about. And it was just, you know, you take that, you just, you just uh, uh, exhale as they cross the line, and then you can, then you can enjoy it. and just see the joy that it brought Kia and his family. Kia's made a, Kia's made a mountain out of, out of uh, Royal Ascot, and it's, it was kind of, it was sort of starting to weigh him down a bit. The last six years, it's just been all five, five or six years since he's buying horses. It's all he's wanted to do, and he's had some very nervouses. And he actually, he actually got the monkey off his back that more that first right. race of the day he won the Norfolk. Um, and then it led on to, uh, and then it led on to, and then it led on to King of Steel. But it was funny. The derby was very funny because on the morning of the race, I was driving to Epsom and he rang, he said, what do you think? I said, Kira, I think you're absolutely crazy running this horse in the derby. <laughs> um, but he's been known to do some crazy things and it's, and, 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 and it's worked out, but he's, uh, listen, he's very excited. He ran well in the King George. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to him seeing him cut back to 10 furlongs in the Irish champion at Leopardstown. I think that's what they've earmarked for him. And uh, it'll be quite a fun trip if we fly over with Kier after that into, into Keeneland, because Keeneland starts on the Monday and he'll run on the Saturday. And that's kind of the goals, right, for an agent, that you want to have success in these big races and then kind of bring that back to the sales. But it also adds a little bit more pressure because you've just seen success and you hope to be able to repeat that success with the new buys. Absolutely. I mean, Acacia, every time I buy a horse, you you want you think you know you, you want that horse to to put you in the lights, I suppose, right. to put your name there as an advertisement for the next for the next lot. And 
you know, every time you look at a horse, you're thinking that that's a really good horse. Now there's a lot of luck and unknown involved. You know, you can keep buying horses. I, I could buy another 20 physicals like King of Steel and they might never get to the mm-hmm. level that he's got to, you know what I mean? So it's, it is, it's frustrating more than anything when the ones that you really love and believe in don't work out, but that's, that's, there's, the, there's more of those than there are King of Steels, I can tell you. <laughs> it's a very humbling game for sure, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, th- the most important thing is that for me and the guys that I buy for, like, that we can all be good winners. Mm-hmm. But to be a good loser is, 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 is quite hard, especially when you've put so much money into horses and things it's uh it can it, it it as you said it's very humbling well as i uh, touched on at the top at the top this is kind of the time of year that gets so busy when looking at the yearling sales we've just completed saratoga with the select sale the new york bread sale going on still but as you mentioned a lot of people actually going to be going from here and i know you as well off to arcana next and and that's where we're going to see a lot of big fireworks and it's kind of that circuit talk a little bit about prepping for each sale and how you kind of attack each one because they're all different types of sales even though you're theoretically looking for the same same thing a horse that will win yeah prep in terms of the sales is at this time of year every time I'm home it's just all about spending time with the family really um because that can be very difficult when you're away for 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 two weeks on end and then you're back for a night and then you're off again you've got to make sure your family know what you look like so (laughs) so that's an important part of it and then the the next bit is the team that are around you Uh, I've got an amazing um person that works with Lucy who came on board two years ago uh, because at the same time all these sales are going on, you've also got a lot of horses that you're managing running each day. So she needs to be on top of that. She then needs to be on top of looking at horses. I don't delve into the catalogue too much, to be honest. Um, I try not to do that. I try and make sure we see every horse on the sales ground. Somebody sets eyes on them. And I like to get my eyes on as, as many as uh, I like to set my eyes on as many as possible. Um, I look at them very quickly. If a horse, as soon as a horse walks out of the box, I know whether I like mm. it or not. I might be wrong, but I know what I I know what I'm looking for, and um, a quick study, and that's that. But and then after second looks and things, then I get into the pedigrees. But I try and give every horse. I think you've got to try and give every horse a chance because, as we see, they can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So true. And there's so much instinct involved in it as well. Um, I remember having this conversation with a couple of trainers that sometimes they find it almost a little bit difficult to explain sometimes to owners their thought process because it's the horsemanship, it's the instinct. And I feel like when you're looking at horses and the ones that kind of grab you, that's a piece of it as well that that's really strong and really prevalent that you have to trust. Yeah, I mean, I struggle um, when people say, what about that? And I think it's, you can call it gutting, gut, gut feeling, instinct, whatever. But I think what it is, is that's just years of experience mm-hmm. built up from, I think, you know, and I think you just start to know what you can and can't accept. Uh, there's definitely no textbooks that will teach you it. It's just all about making a lot of mistakes and then getting a few things right and remembering what you got right. And, you know, I think my time in the US when I was, when I was working for your father-in-law, mm-hmm. taught me an awful lot. You have your father-in-law and then and then uh, Christoph and um, Owen Harty, just being in yeah. the shed every day, watching horses walk around, seeing how they move. The good ones start to separate themselves from, you know, it, it just becomes very obvious. The good ones, the mediocre ones, and then the, and then the bad ones, you know. And it's just, it's, I think we're all looking for, 
we're all looking for those uh, good ones. And uh, there's a very famous Irish trainer, Kevin Prendergast, once mm-hmm. said they're like they're like trying to find hen's teeth. <laughs> exactly, I like that. Um, and with Keeneland coming up, as you mentioned, it, it, there's so many horses you can almost kind of go bleary-eyed sometimes looking at everything that that it is important to split up um how do you navigate going through a massive sale like keeneland september and maybe prioritizing the ones that you want to make sure that you see and and not missing out on a horse like king of steel for example i always make the mistake of keeneland of of charging into book one yeah and then just exhausting yourself and then you've actually you, you, you can't get near a horse because they're so expensive so then you start getting into book two and three and you actually do you do get tired it's hard work but myself and ben we uh we, we put a little team together and we and we split up and i stay with ben um so each night we go back and discuss horses and it's a hard thing you got to try and try and get to bed early and try and keep yourself as, as fit as possible. And I've been doing a bit of Peloton since I've been back from Saratoga. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, you know, that's the, that is the key to it because they're long days and you're looking, you know, I probably look at, I'm quite quick. I probably look at 200 horses a day. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, it can get monotonous Keeneland and, but it's, um, you know, it's just, it's got to be done and we got to keep, we got to try and keep looking for the good ones. When it comes down to the vetting as well, I think everybody has their non-negotiables, things that they can't live with. And then some people are a little bit more forgiving when it comes to the vetting. What's your process when you're looking at the vet reports before you decide whether you want to go in and bid on that horse? It's a little bit different, actually, in in terms of if I'm in America or in Europe. America is harder on the horse in terms of the training and the tracks and going left-handed so what I found out when I worked for Christoph and Owen was that was that knees often of, often take a lot of hammering in the states mm-hmm. uh so those are, you know if I'm if I'm buying if I'm buying for the states and and, and knees is a, an issue then you know knees and throats you have to be a bit more you have to be taking you have to take note of it and uh knees and throats would be the things that kind of scare me the most um in Europe horses get away with a lot more because of this uh because of because of the way we train where we train we don't have to we you know on the dirt you go fast early and then you and then you don't finish up whereas on the turf you go off easier and then you need that turn of foot to finish Mm -hmm. so i can handle a lot more in europe to be honest vetting i vet mainly because when we resell the product i need to know that the vetting is is good because if i'm buying a a big part of our racing, a big part of my business is the resale market. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen so much in the States because you race for good purses. So people are buying horses to win races and, and earn money. Whereas over here, the way I sell my business is that we can buy this, we can buy this horse and we can turn and, and we can win some races and then we can sell it. But the vet has to be squeaky clean, basically, for when you for when you resell to Hong Kong, Australia, the Middle East, or even back to America. So that's really the only reason I vet for in uh, in Europe because I think horses over here can basically handle anything, and you know you could have a perfect vet, and then the horse could the next day the horse could fall over and it could it could mm-hmm. chip a hock or it could you know any or it could or it could go and exercise and a tendon could go and you know vetting it's uh, it's uh, it, it's 
in, in an ideal world, I wouldn't vet any horse because I think a lot of these horses either do or don't make it. Mm-hmm. But I vet, I vet, I vet mainly over here for the for the for the resale aspect. And it's such interesting insight too. Like you said, it's a it's something much more common that we would see in Europe versus here. Um, well, we've seen you have success on some of the the biggest stages as far as King of Steel winning at Royal Ascot, and I know you're Derby dreaming. But what are some races maybe that you would love to see a horse that you've bought be successful in? Maybe it's something that has a lot of meaning to you. Well, I did the Daily Flying Start program in 2006 and graduated in 2008 so we got to go to all the ma- major racing mm-hmm. festivals basically or big races around the world from um the irish champion stakes to the arc de triomphe to the kentucky derby and the oaks to the melbourne cup to the hong kong international and i think any of those races the kentucky derby is very very it, it's it's something i would hold very dear if we were ever to get anywhere sure. near it we had when i worked for owen we had um a horse called American Lion ran in it. And the spectacle and the build-up and being part of that uh, was its just so unique. Yeah. I think if you win the arc, you've basically got the best horse in the world, just about. Yeah. Um, and the Melbourne Cup, it's changed a bit in recent years. That probably wouldn't be up there as, 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 high, as, mm-hmm. uh, as high as those other races that I mentioned. And then I suppose any anything at the Breeders' Cup would be... Mm-hmm. A, be big and I know that's Kia's next thing that he wants to tick off so there's talk of King of Seal making it out to uh to America this year for that wow. which yeah I'm not sure that would be right up his street but who knows he's uh he's a he's a good traveling horse and mm-hmm. he, seems, he seems to he seems to handle most things that have been thrown at him at the minute so watch this space yeah, he, he's been amazing. And um, uh, I know it'll be a lot of fun for fans to have an opportunity to see him. But I think regardless, Alex, um, a huge congratulations on all the success that we've seen for you. And, and here's to many, many more big winners. Okay, so thank you very much. That's it for another episode of In the Ring. Big thank you to Brandon Rice and Alex Elliott. Um, got some really good insight, I thought, um, from two kind of different um, models of looking at horses, which I think is really cool because that's what this game is. There's so many different interpretations. There's so many different ways to approach it. And pretty much every way is kind of the right way. Um, there's no real, uh, like Alex mentioned, there's no real textbook for it, which is, uh, I think, always a very interesting layer to what we do. There's no exact science when it comes to horses, but they keep things exciting, that's for sure. Thank you to our sponsors, Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association and Gainsway. Um, for more information, you can check out some of the information mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, As always, if you're up in Saratoga, please come over and say hi. We have three more weeks of racing up at the spa, which is crazy how quickly things have gone. Um, Big high hopes for the second half of the meet. Saratoga means so much to all of us. And um, I think this past week with some of the great storylines and some really special horses that we saw running up here kind of reminded us why it's a place that so many of us love so much and hopefully that trend continues on through the rest of the summer so please come over and say hi um 
I'm probably be wearing sneakers a lot for the second half of the meet, so I'm on my feet. So no judgment, but uh, it's uh, a lot to look forward to, of course, including that Travers. Um, as mentioned, New York bread sale still going on, so we'll do a little recap of that on the next episode and have some more interesting people on. Always appreciate all of you listening. Always appreciate all the really kind words for the show. Um, please feel free to share this episode with those that you think may enjoy it. And I'll see you next time on In the Ring.